0: The Craig Fawley Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Lynette's Shrimp House, located in Highland Park. It's Metro Detroit's premier destination, serving juicy fried shrimp, fish, and wings, alongside soul food sides and new additions to the menu, like turkey tacos and desserts. Located at 13548 Woodward in Highland Park, just north of the Davison, Lynette's is open for takeaway noon to 8, Tuesday and Thursday, noon to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, and noon to 5 p.m. on Sunday. Call now. Get some Lynette's. Hey greetings everybody, welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you very much for joining me today. Uh and, and I'll tell you what, you know, for those of us that have been working from home for a long time, there are some things uh that, that I miss about working downtown each and every day. And believe it or not, one of the things that I actually miss was taking part uh, of, of being part of the Q-Line family. I, I actually enjoyed riding the Q-Line each and every morning as my final leg uh, on my commute to work. A couple of little walking, it actually helped me get in shape, saved me a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the Q-Line, of course, has been shut down for the better part of a year and a half because of COVID and everything else, but they're getting ready to reopen uh, in late September, it looks like. Uh, joining me right now is the spokesman for the M1 Rail Q-Line, Dan Lejana Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Morning, Craig. Now, I start out saying these nice things about using the queue line, but there are some things that obviously you've had a chance to look at over the course of the last year and a half. Um, how did you guys use this time?
1: Well, you know, obviously, um, you know, COVID has been a challenge for all transit, um, and we're no different. Our, ch- our our challenges have been a little bit different because, you know, we had been in operation since, um, you know, the spring of 2017, and this, <clears throat> this time... Gave us an opportunity to kind of take apart each uh, element of the operations, see what was working, see what wasn't working um, and try to make some changes, which we have made uh, quite a few, you know, during this time. And I think um, we're going to come back with the pieces that people loved. Right. People have always loved the convenience of it, the comfort of it, the sort of experience of going down Woodward in that way. And none of that is going to change. In fact, some of that is going to probably be uh, enhanced. I think, you know, where we had an opportunity to improve. Was in the reliability of the service, you know, being able for people to have an expectation that it was going to arrive at a certain interval and for and for the information that they see about when the train was going to arrive to be correct
0: yeah that was one of the frustrations I know that people had and and you know when you look at the operation of the queue line itself, I mean, I know a lot of the delays that have been caused at times are not necessarily the fault of, of the q line system. um you know, cars parked on the side of the road where they're not supposed to be was a frequent problem um and, and I know that you're starting to warn people now again that they're going to start enforcing uh, all those regulations again. um uh, that's not something that you can control uh, how do you how do you deal with that because if you've got this goal of every 15 minutes, there's going to be a train coming to the station. You've got to find a way around that stuff.
1: I'm glad you asked that. You know, one of the things we haven't, um, we haven't had a chance to talk about it a ton yet, but we'll be talking about it some more as we get a little bit closer during the break. We also have some, uh, some legislative, uh, fixes that are going to help us with that exact problem. Um, you know, one of the reasons that that's, that's been an issue is historically for the queue line, we have to, we have multiple layers to try to get. Uh, someone off of the track, right? We had to call the city, the city, call the police, the police call the tower, like, you know, and, and that process took a long time. Uh, we had some legislation, uh, move some legislation during during the last session um, that's going to allow us to take care of that on our own. Um, so that process of removing any kind of blockage from the route is going to be a whole lot faster. Um, so, you know, obviously the other element is keeping people from from even blocking it in the first place. Um, and one of the ways that, you know, we feel really good about where we're headed here is I'm sure you saw over the, the course of the winter, not all the listeners may know, but, um, we replaced the, uh, the vendor that was providing, you know, a lot of the operations work. And as a part of what we've done, bringing that in house is to essentially have, um, you know, staff kind of on a sweep of the route, uh, at different times. And there are certain areas where, you know, we know that, you know, for instance, um, you know, kind of near Warren when it snows, there's a lot of times where, you know, those cars end up a little bit over the line. And so, you know, in this, at the relaunch here, we're going to be able to, um, you know, address that much more proactively, you know, than, than the outside vendor had been. So I think, you know, what, what riders and, and people are going to see is a lot less obstructions. And in the case that they, you know, that there is somebody on the route, it's going to be cleared a whole lot faster. Um, and I think, you know, much less disruptive so that we can deliver that 15 minute experience.
0: So I, I like the idea of you having people monitoring what's going on ahead of the line so you can maybe clear it before it even becomes an issue for the oncoming train. Um That's it it's, seems like a small thing, but apparently it wasn't.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there's a few things about that. You know, one, you know, but pre-launch, you know, back in 2017, we had worked with a lot of the businesses uh, along the route, you know, setting aside weather, right. Because people had sort of become accustomed to being able to double park or, you know, park in all of these areas and, um, you know, not, and, and be able to avoid getting a ticket, even though that was illegal at the time, even then it was illegal. Um, but, you know, we've continued a lot of that outreach work. I think, um, you know, there's been some progress on that front. And then, you know, also, you know, weather is a, you know, when we have Michigan winters, that's another thing that, you know, we just have continued to work with people about the the snowplow and just really making sure that our right of way is clear. But but really having people out there um, because, you know, we're able to make the rules and the policies for how things work now, um, that's going to be a huge asset for us all year long.
0: Well, you know, one of the other interesting things I had heard, and, and I read this uh, in another publication, and I'm trying to remember when it was, but one of the issues that you guys had was that, you know, drivers and, and staff could only take breaks at the north terminal. Um, and, you know, obviously, if you've been, you know, going up and down, you know, you may need to take a break here and there. Uh, and that would create little backups uh, on both directions. Um, how are you going to address that issue? Because it seems like that's that's a staffing issue as well as, uh you know, a facilities issue.
1: So, you know, to, to the first part of that, where you said staffing, that is probably the most significant um, piece of of why that previously was a problem. And some of the other issues that popped up here and there uh, was that, you know, historically, we had a little bit of trouble, uh, the vendor, the the other vendor had a little bit of trouble making sure that we had adequate staff all the time. And so, you know, one of the reasons that, that this restart, you know, people have asked us like, what takes so long to, you know, uh, to restart a, a streetcar system? Well, one, you have to make sure you have enough staff. Two, the training for that staff is is very robust. There's a certain amount of hours that they all have to be out operating the car before, you know, with a supervisor and all of that stuff before they're able to operate on their own. Um, but I think, you know, to the exact question of like, you know, the the break at the top of the line, you know, making sure that you have enough staff so that people can get off and somebody can just hop right back on you know and keep that seamless um is definitely something that that we expect um i mean riders won't necessarily see it but they'll notice in um you know in the reduction of the wait time and the reliability of every 15 minutes
0: uh you know let's let's get back to covid for just a second because you know yes we are reopening a lot of things we are starting to see traffic levels downtown getting back to where they were pre-pandemic not quite there but getting there, uh, I'm assuming there are still precautions that you need to take on these trains to make sure people are safe. And I I remember the scramble that DDOT and and SMART went through uh, trying to make sure that their buses were still safe because they were such a vital service for so many people to have the buses running. But it was a constant struggle to make sure that these buses were cleaned, uh, sterilized, and everything like that. What do you have to do in terms of that, especially given the Delta variant that's out there right now?
1: So. Couple things, um, you know. Even even at the earliest stages before we did the shutdown in March, we had increased the sanitation of the car. Uh, you know, obviously now there's there's less of a concern about surface level contamination, yeah. you know, than there was at the beginning of this. But I expect, um, you know, the cleanliness of the car has always been one of the assets, you know, for um, you know even pre pandemic for the for the queue line. So I would expect that to continue. Um, We've been working pretty closely with, uh, we're very closely with the FTA in the state, you know, just like DDOT and everybody else that operates a transit system, we all have similar guidance for what we're, you know, what we're supposed to do in terms of, you know, masking on the car. Um, And so, you know, you'll see, you'll see, uh, you know, signage related to that. And, um, you know, I don't know if uh, in your, in your travels, you know, we periodically have these ambassadors on the queue line. Um, you know, who kind of help people get through the process. And so I think, you know, you'll see some of that staff working to help remind people to, to stay safe in COVID. And the other thing that just is a structural benefit of the, of the Q line is, you know, the cars are large, they're 66 feet long and they're, they're essentially made for people to, to be able to spread out a little bit, um. So, and the doors open every stop, right? The doors open and, you know, and and a lot of air airflow is coming in and out. So, you know, just as a means uh, of transportation, streetcars, you know, are are actually pretty beneficial, you know, when you're trying to keep things, uh, you know, air circulated in that way and trying to keep people safe.
0: Now, again, this is, you know, your venture. Uh, You guys can make the rules about what you're going to do. What about masks? Is this something you're going to encourage? Is it something you're going to require?
1: So the the we were actually just talking about this uh, yesterday, the the FTA or the uh, TSA, you know, extended the guidance for everybody into the month of January um, that, you know, you are to uh, require masks on the car, make sure you have signage. You know, the enforcement factor of that is similar to the enforcement factor, uh, probably in a lot of other places. Right. We have to do everything that we can to encourage people, you know, to ride and obviously all of our staff. Um, that's operating, you know, will will be following all the safety precautions. And so, you know, it just like everybody, we'll have a little bit of an adjustment period. Um, but you know, I think we're we're we've been we've been preparing for this and I think, you know, we're gonna be ready.
0: Yeah. Well and and I mean we've all seen the videos of, of people who do not want to wear masks, uh, getting upset at stores, etc. Uh, how are you planning to deal with that? Is this going to be a matter where you have "quote unquote" amb- ambassadors uh, on the trains for a little while to to defuse any types of situations?
1: I, you know, there will be ambassadors, but I think you know we're not going to put put them in the in the position of of needing to be you know in an enforcement mechanism. You know, we that's obviously something that you know just like just like in the past on the queue line, if someone is being if some of the things that you see online, you know, certainly we hope none of our None of our riders or anyone associated with the Q line would behave in some of the ways. Of course not. That, you know, We've seen horrified. But but if that happens, if it were to happen, it would be similar to the way we see disorderly conduct before, and we have the transit police, you know, um, quick responding to be able to to address that. And so that's you know that's our plan.
0: A couple of minutes left here, Dan, and I've got a few more questions here for you. One I want to ask is Is the information that people see on the boards when they're in the stations. Uh, that has been a, a constant source of frustration for people because the time sometimes will change. Uh, they don't know how far down uh, the train is. They don't know what the expected wait time is. How? Uh, what steps have you taken to improve that uh, accuracy?
1: This is one of the things that we are most eager to uh, to. Sort of uh, show people that something's that things are actually different, right? That's one of those things that people you you have to prove it, and and we we feel like we're ready to prove that. And there's two two ways that that are different. One, the system that fed that time uh, that time information, uh, we've been working with a new partner and have been working them throughout this. Uh, this time, this break of almost a year and a half to refine this, to test it, to make sure I, I know you've seen the cars have been out exercising, right? So we're uh-huh. already we're already monitoring that to make sure, um, you know, that it's right and it adjusts. And one of the things that's different about this one is, you know, let's say, you know, from, from Warren to Campus Martius, you know, that, that ride typically is going to, you, you know, that distance is going to take like 12 minutes or something like that. Well, let's say something happens on the route you know, it's going to readjust as it gets closer. And the previous system was just not able to do that. So what you're going to see is a couple of things. One, you're going to see a new display at the station when you're sitting there um, with information that is dynamic and changes over time. You're not going to see eight minutes on the screen for 10 minutes or, you know, 12 minutes, which was a problem before. Uh, And the other thing is, you know we've made a lot of improvements to the way the operators are able to to physically like adjust for time on the route. There was a lot of rigidity in the first couple years where, you know, for instance, if if um, if we don't need a charge, you know, because there's various areas along the route where you know there's a piece of a charge. Well if they didn't need a charge, they used to have to still stop. And you know now if we're a little bit behind or a little bit ahead, you can adjust based on you know, based on what's there. And you know some of the other things are like you know we alluded to this, and there will be more detail on it. But I think you know when you see things like Little Caesars Arena, we're going to have a piece of dedicated lane down there, you know, and that's an area where things have gotten uh, pretty jammed up historically, particularly during events. And so you know we're going to have a lot smoother passage around there, and, and we're we're very eager to to be able to show this and for people to be able to depend on it.
0: Well, well, Dan, I mean, just a couple more questions here real quick. Uh, ridership. Uh, obviously, you're giving free rides through the end of the year, correct? Yep. Um, and, and I think that's important to to regain people's trust, all that kind of stuff, and, and get them to utilize the service. But from a service level, what sort of customer levels do you need to see uh, for you guys to deem this a successful relaunch?
1: You know, I think… I think what we want to see, I mean, you know, going into going into relaunch as the weather is cooling off, you know, we always every us and every other cold weather city naturally sees a dip, you know, as the weather gets colder and colder. Obviously, it's nice that, you know, the, the stations have the capability of heat and the cars are heated, but still, you know, nobody expects to peak ridership you know, in the winter. And so for us, I think what we want to see is we want to provide really good service, set an expectation that people can depend on us. And, you know, whatever that baseline is, right, because not everybody's back, not all the employers are back, you know, not all the restaurants and retail are back. And, you know, our expectation would be to to really establish ourselves. And then as next spring, as people start to get into that activity and things warm up, what we want to see is a constant trajectory up of ridership.
0: Well, I'll tell you what sports are back. Um evening ridership is going to be something that changes dramatically as the Pistons and Red Wings start to have full crowds again, really for the first time almost, um at at Little Caesars Arena. That's going to impact how you schedule and what you do. Um how do you deal with that sort of like surge type time?
1: I think, you know, <clears throat> I have alluded a little bit to the to the dedicated lane work that's going to go on yeah. now and relaunch, and I think, you know, our our hope is that this could potentially be the best way for people to to get to and from uh, a lot of the venues once we're at restart. And I think that is a huge uh, benefit in addition to the fact that, you know, probably people can find uh, more cost-effective parking, you know, in other areas, you know, around these venues and then take us up there and, you know, eat and drink and do all the things that, you know, people do. And I think that's going to be a huge piece of this. And, you know, we we're going to be, we're in a good position that the cars are, are in, Great condition. And we have enough to be able to, you know, kind of meet those demands as it surges, you know, up and down. But um, we've been working really closely with Little Caesars and the Illich family and also, you know, the city to account for that. And so, you know, I think you're going to see a much better experience than, you know, when we were all kind of figuring it out together at the beginning.
0: Well, one last question, uh, because the success of the Q line, I, I think, is really important to the broader discussion of, of transit options in southeast Michigan. And there are a number of people that have been advocating for some sort of rail transit all the way up the Woodward Corridor and and maybe to other destinations here. How, how important is what you guys are doing uh, to securing that type of funding for projects in the future, do you think?
1: I think it's very important you know this was always seen as a as a step right as a sort of proving ground for demand for transit the ability to deliver you know more transit and and really just demonstrate that you know there this was a system worth expanding right it might not be streetcar technology could be something else but I think it, you know, particularly right now, all this infrastructure discussion, transportation money that's, you know, flowing into the city, into the state creates an opportunity that if we're successful for people to be able to say, we need that, we want more of that, you know, whichever direction, I'll leave that to others to talk about what direction, and, you know, where it ought to go. Um, but I think, but I think we can be a big part of helping spur that success.
0: All right. Well, we are eagerly awaiting the relaunch here um, and uh, anxious to see uh, the improvements that uh, you suggest are, are in the works. So uh, congratulations um, and, and thank you for making use of the time yeah. while you were down to improve the service. Uh, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see how it all goes. Dan Lajano, of course, is the spokesman for the M1 Rail Q-Line system here in the city of Detroit. We appreciate your time, sir. Thanks, Craig. All right. And this is The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Looking for the latest news and information about our great city of Detroit? Head to DeadlineDetroit.com for one-stop shopping for the most important stories of the day. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in town, providing original reporting, videos, and podcasts that keep you in the know about everything happening in Detroit. Become a member today, and you'll automatically be entered into a drawing for prizes, including gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Go to DeadlineDetroit.com slash membership. Thanks, everybody, for listening to The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. I really do appreciate all of your support. Don't forget, if you like this podcast, it's important that you share it, that you rate this podcast, and that, of course, you subscribe to this podcast. It all helps. And the more sponsors we get, the more interviews we can do, the more shows I can put together. And I certainly do uh, want to make sure that you are enjoying what you're listening to. So if you have suggestions, you can reach out to me thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. Again, that's the Craig Show at gmail.com. You can get through to me that way. It's very, very easy to do. And you can find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, just about anywhere. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.